Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, we're continuing on our series about caring for people. And um, we've already addressed about connecting with people and standing up. And um, one of the things I've learned over the past few weeks is that when we care for people, we have to rely on the gifts that God has given us to properly do it. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have more of an impact on people's lives. I'd like to persuade more people to the truth that God loves them and he wants to be in relationship with them. And I feel often totally inadequate to that task. I don't remember the Bible verses that I should. I'm not a natural persuader. Basically, when I looked at this talk, I thought, oh, I don't think I'm a very good evangelist, so my talk is speak out. Who here in this room, on the scale, the Hawthorne scale, of zero to Andy Hawthorne, <laughs> would, not, would say they are not a good evangelist? Hands up. Well, that's good, because what I was going to say, if you didn't participate, I'd go, Matt, Robert, Zoe, that's great. We've got a room of evangelists, because one way or another, we're going to win. So on the scale of zero, on the Hawthorne scale, I'm about a two or a three. And there's lots of people here today who will know me very well and know me for 20 years. If you do, you'll know that isn't a gifting of mine. But if you don't know me from Adam, you're going to have to believe me today. This is not a comfortable place for me to be, okay? Most of us are not outstanding evangelists, and you might think it's a problem if, like me, you want more people to be drawn to Jesus. But, my friends, I've had a revelation. <laughs> Looking at the passage from the Bible for us today, it's shown me if you can tell a story, you can have a positive impact on other people. It's as simple as that. The Bible and Jesus encourages us to tell our story. So at that point, we could all go home now, okay? But there are so, I like to tell stories. I mean, ultimately, if I can tell a story that is about embarrassing myself, those are the stories I like to tell. People who know me well will know that I will tell stories of work, and it's, sometimes I'm telling, I'm in a terrible situation at work, thinking this is hysterical, but it'll be good, because I can tell a story about it later. So I do (laughs) like to tell stories. I like to tell stories at work, because leadership gurus, in both business and politics will tell you that telling an authentic narrative, a story about someone, persuades people. It connects with us as individuals. You will see politicians do it, okay? They'll say, I met Mrs. Jones, she told me about this terrible situation, and I've thought of policy because of that. And they always use the individual story to convince you that's a good idea. So this has been going on for as long as we can all remember. So I was wondering which experience in my own life best illustrates the power of the story. 
And I thought about this, and I thought about that, and I asked Robert, my husband, and he said, ask Meg. So, coincidentally, I was meeting Meg last week. Not a coincidence, obviously. And I hadn't seen her for ages, and I, um, I worked with Meg for many, many years, and I know that I'm part of her story, her journey, finding her way back to God. And that was very much over a decade ago, very much. And I said to Meg, what part of our experience together um, and my story helped you on your journey coming back to God? Nervous moment, because <laughs> I made a small assumption there. But uh, um, anyway, um, so she told me there was a few things, and we talked about that, and in fact, there was one story I told of my life and my relationship with Jesus that really impacted her. When I was making my list, I had completely forgotten this story. It didn't make my list, okay? Seriously, I had not figured this story on my list. But she could tell you exactly where we were, what we were eating, what I said, why I said it, and I'd completely forgotten about it. I'm going to relay it to you today, but let's first turn to the Bible. The passage for us today is Mark 5, 1 to 20. And it's a good one. <laughs> but it's a, it's a challenging one, so hold on to your hats, because we're going to go through this together. So Jesus and his followers came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. He got out of the boat, and at once a man came to him from among the graves. This man had a demon. He lived among the graves. No man could tie him, even with chains. Many times he had been tied with chains on his feet, and he had broken the chains, as well as the um, irons from his hands and the legs. No man was strong enough to keep him tied. Night and day, he was among the graves and in the mountains, and he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When the man with the demon saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and worshipped him. The man spoke with a loud voice and said, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I ask you, in the name of God, do not hurt me. At the same time, Jesus was saying, Come out of the man, you demon. Jesus asked the demon, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion for there are many of us. The, the demons asked Jesus not to send them out of the country. There were many pigs feeding on the mountainside and the demons asked him saying, send us out to the pigs where we may go into them. And Jesus let them do what they wanted to do. So they went into the pigs. The pigs ran fast down the side of the mountain and into the sea and died. There are about 2,000 of them. The men who cared for the pigs ran fast into the town and out into the country telling what had been done. People came to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and saw the man who had had demons. He was sitting with clothes on and in his right mind, the men were afraid. Those who had seen it told what happened to the man and who had had demons and they told what had happened to the pigs. 
Then they asked Jesus to leave their country. Jesus got into the boat. The man who had had the demons asked to go with him. Jesus would not let him go, but said, go home to your own people. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he has had pity on you. The man, the man went his way and told everyone in the land of Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. All the people were surprised and wondered. That's an interesting and difficult passage, isn't it? I'm not really going to unpack all of that scripture. But if you want to talk about some of the detail that I'm not covering now, later on, and come the end of the service, we can talk about it. But there are some interesting things I'd like to highlight. Firstly, it's good to know in this context, and I've never really figured this before, I really haven't, that Jesus was going into Gentile country. So this is non-Jewish country, okay? Um, and this is a non-Jewish area. Jesus is breaking new ground here. He's a Jewish rabbi meeting and talking with someone who's regarded as a second-class citizen. Secondly, this poor man is living among graves. We're not talking headstones here, it's not our traditional. These are like holes in, in um, the mountains, in the world. If you think, remember Jesus being in his grave, which was like a hole, this would be a good place for um, a man like him to find shelter, a homeless person to find shelter. But this is not a sanctified space in any way. This is not a good place for somebody to be hanging out. Thirdly, the community were very afraid of the power of Jesus. This is a supernatural thing that's happening. It's an amazing thing that's happening. And they are afraid of it because they have seen something significant happen before them. Okay? And it's interesting, isn't it, in this week, when a lot of people are celebrating dark powers, that they don't figure it might have any effect on our children or indeed our community. But it was these dark powers that bound this man up. It's also worth noting that the demons recognize Jesus. And you see this a lot in the Bible. Whilst we often don't, they recognized him and were afraid, very afraid. And they knew exactly who he was and they spoke out. And some would say that because they, um, when they call themselves legion, this refers to Roman regiment. A legion is about 6,000 people, so that's a lot of demons. Well, in this Gentile Palestine country, you'll, often, you'll know for Jewish people that the pigs are unsanctified, they're unclean animals. But for these people, these pigs are worth a lot of money, as they would be to us. There's food there. And Jesus, the key thing to hang on to here, Jesus valued that man's life more than any pig or herd of pigs. You are worth more than any commodity to Jesus. Okay? Does anybody in this room believe that? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, um, I also think that the most important thing about this and the thing we need to focus on today is our man, the man with the demon. Because I had never forgiven. This is the first evangelist. 
Jesus didn't want him to go with him back. He specifically wanted him to go to the Gentiles. This is the first man who ever came to us, okay? And this is before the Great Commission. I never figured this before. Although he was a broken man, a self-harmer, a violent, aggressive loner, somebody who you would take your child's hand and cross the street to avoid, he successfully proclaimed what God had done for him and had a huge influence in his homeland. For all of us, all of us who feel inadequate to the task of telling the world the good news, there's enormous hope in the way that Jesus treated this first evangelist. He was an untrained outsider. He hadn't done Alpha. He didn't have a theological degree. Jesus didn't test his knowledge of scripture. He didn't send him on a preaching training course. He didn't have to prove he was eloquent or have a certificate before he was useful to Jesus. But Jesus did send him out and he was incredibly effective. It suggested that this man alone started 10 churches in his area. Jesus sent him and how did he do that? He told his story, just that, just that his story. Go home to your own people, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he has had pity on you. His story of transformation, it was miraculous and it belonged to him. He was living proof of God's power on this earth. Has the Lord done great things for you, then you too have a story of hope to bring to someone else. The story I told Meg, the story I found helpful, has some similarities with this story. There'll be people here I've known for 20 years who won't know this at all, and there will be people who do. But By the age of 11, I had lost two mothers, which to misquote Oscar Wilde is terribly careless. My own, tragically, who was very beautiful, suddenly died of cancer when I was seven. And the second, my stepmother, um, inconveniently left my father for another man. So by 11, I had quite independently from anyone, there was no Christians in my family at all. You couldn't find them, you couldn't find them anywhere. I gave my life to Jesus. And he has been my rock and has helped me so much and brought me salvation ever since. Thank you, Lord. Not long after that, my dad in despair gave his life to Jesus and the transformation of him was very dramatic and our lives together was Um, It was an amazing transformation. We joined a fabulous church in Exeter and we began to rebuild our lives. But things were tough. 
I had many domestic duties on top of my schoolwork, and um, I needed to be mature and step up for, and care for my sister and my dad. And perhaps due to something breaking, or as a reaction to many years of stress, I began to stop eating. I turned quietly and slowly into a very controlling, angry and deceitful young woman. I was ravaged by anorexia, and I became very, very ill. Probably half the weight I am now, but about the same size. And I was very close to hospitalisation. And in despair, my father asked the elders of the church to gather in our house to battle in prayer. I sat in my bed at the top of our house, and eventually something broke. Whatever it was that had controlled me left me. And my father vividly describes that instead of the screwed up, tortured soul he left, he found me sitting there radiant like an angel. Nothing I did, but my God intervened in my life. That is the story I'd forgotten. <laughs> but it's the one which my friend Meg found so powerful to her. And hearing about my experience of Jesus, how he's real in my life, and being my comfort and my healer helped her on her own journey back to God. What did I do to powerfully change her life? I did nothing. But I did tell my story and a moment that was needed. You might have a great transformation testimony. Exciting, dramatic and thrilling. You must tell that story don't lose the fervour and the passion of that story. Don't. Often I think we find it uncomfortable. For those of us who don't have dramatic trends, we try and go, oh, you don't need to tell. No, tell that story to anybody who will listen. Okay? Because God said so. Okay? But you might also have a quiet testimony. And most of the time, I'm not that bothered talking about my testimony. I'd rather not. Private, it might be a private journey of which will be enormous hope and a glimmer of God being there on earth when they're hurting. We are a blessing to be a blessing. Robert and I have occasionally had the pleasure to talk quietly and honestly about the time our son was diagnosed with his chronic health condition. Desperate, sad, confused and hopeless. God met with us in those waiting rooms of doom. Those days, full of fear and hopelessness, gradually changed, and new miracles were found. And us sometimes exposing those times and being open to be vulnerable, I think sometimes have given a little bit of hope to people who are in the same position. That God is there, and he is with you, and he will bring his kingdom. But you might just have everyday mercies that you can testify to. You tell people who surround you about how God is actively impacting your life every day, and it will give people hope that there is something out there, that there is more to life. The Bible reminds us God's mercies are new every day. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies have never come to an end and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day we have something new of God's love that we can tell other people. Much like my friend Meg, you will have no idea whether your story is part of a three-pronged attack by God. I was only part of three different people that were impacting her. And you could be part of that exciting plan to bring someone back to God. However little you think of yourself as an evangelist, however undramatic you think your story is, however you might feel embarrassed to talk, and let's face it, being British people, we don't quite like to talk about such things. We'll, we'll put it on Instagram, obviously, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> your story, God wrote it, and he wrote it to be a blessing, and your experience cannot be denied. And that is my revelation. It's totally freed my mind. My friends and my colleagues may not agree with my faith. They may not like my doctrine. They may never be swayed by my arguments. But they cannot deny that my story is my story. And my experience of God is so very real to me and it should be very real to you. So my, my friend, and my challenge is that God commands us. It is not whether you fit evangelist or extrovert in a skills audit. I would not be in that section if we did that now. I'm afraid and delighted that we have a choice. And it is obedience or silence. Obedience or silence. In Luke 11.33, he says, No one lights a lamp, then hides it in a drawer. It's put on a lampstand so that those entering the room have light to see where they are going. No one, or to put it a different way, you'd have to be a fool to light a lamp and then cover it. Our God is no fool. He made us a light for a reason. He's given you and me stories of goodness so that we can tell them. And he has commanded us not to be silent. Jesus said to the man released from demons, go tell what the Lord has done for you. That's pretty unequivocal. You see, your faith, your relationship with Jesus is personal. It should be personal, but it cannot, it cannot be private. In 1 Peter 3.15, we're instructed, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you have hope? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give a reason for the hope that you have. 
So here are some really practical things we can do. And my challenge, my friends, is threefold today. So if you've got a notebook or you take notes on your phone, I'm asking you to audit your story. Spend time today or take a few minutes in the next few days to rethink that three-minute testimony. If you stood in a lift with a person who generally wants to know how you would tell your story of God's mercy in your life, what would you say? Is there a forgotten story that you couldn't tell? Um, Anthony read um, my, my, my preach, my talk over the week, and, and this is an amazing thing. He told my story of my illness to a, to a man in a taxi, who's a taxi driver, who was talking about how his wife was depressed and he felt no hope. Anthony told my story to that taxi driver and they prayed together, they videoed it, because it gave hope to that, that taxi driver that his wife might find hope. This week, and I challenged myself, because I, I knew I was going to, I thought, oh, hypocrites, I'm going to find <laughs> This week, I'm going to tell you, I've had the toughest summer this year at work, the toughest time. And my relationship with my new boss is broken down, and our trust is broken. On Thursday, challenged by what I was going to say today, I told my testimony to my new boss. I have never, ever, ever told my testimony of what God has done in my life to a senior ever in my life. But my friends, he, it broke something between us and established a new trust. And only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do that. So please, please, please take courage. Audit your story. And my second challenge is to notice the miracles Notice what God is doing in your life. Often we'll go, oh, no, Jesus, please help us. And Jesus does something. And then all we do when we turn up to work or see our friends, we say, oh, a terrible thing happened. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Jesus answered a prayer. It's like a terrible rom-com without the ending. Do you know? It, there's something fantastic. Start noticing the prayers that you have had answered and start telling them as part of your everyday life instead of the depressing bit at the beginning when you thought you had no hope. So being ready to tell your story, say, hi, how are you? And then telling how he's broken through in your life. That happens all the time. And thirdly, let's accelerate our care by actually speaking out. Let's tell the miraculous stories to the people who need to hear. Listen hard to their worries and their woes and be brave enough, a little less British, to tell your story and comfort them. Because your story will, could be their story and it's his story, okay? I got that wrong. His story is your story, and it could be their story. We don't have to be an evangelist. All we have to do, and this is the amazing thing, is tell your story. So as the band come up, can we just lower our heads, please?
Will you take a few minutes, please, just to spend some time with Jesus and to think about your story and give thanks to him for that. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask, there may, we think there may be one or two people that want to share something that would really impact somebody else in the community, in the church today. So if you feel that kind of gut-wrenching stomach thing where you feel that you want to share something, that may be you. And if we have time, we'll be able to share those stories. Jesus, thank you that you came on this earth to transform us to bring us back to the Father. And you want to use stupid, ill-equipped, crazy people like me and us to draw people back to you. And you want us to tell our story so that we might bring comfort and that we might bring joy into people's lives. Jesus, I pray that we remember the glorious things you have done for us. And we are brave enough to tell others this week, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.